everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Wednesday. It's August 10th. It is 2022. We have nine baseball games to talk about here on today's main slate. We've got some day baseball. Blender will be talking about that over there on the Roto Grinders YouTube page and the Grinders Live uh, page. So if you want to hear what his thoughts are on the early slate, check that out. We'll have uh, tags for you premium subscribers and stuff like that as well. So I'll be on that tagging some value plays on that early slate. Um, so you can get my thoughts on that. But for the third straight day, pinch hitting again, man, twice this week, uh, you stepped in out of the bullpen and relieving, I guess, um, not pinch hitting, but Keith eyes eight, one, nine. What's happening, my friend. Yeah, not too much. Happy to be here. Um, get cheese. I saw cheese on crunch time, um, Tuesday night and he was saying he was under the weather. So happy to fill in anytime anybody's under the weather here to give him a break. So happy to be here, ready to talk some baseball. Love, love these days. We have baseball all day long and just sit there and build teams and place bets the entire day in between content and whatever shows we're doing. So it, it makes for a, a fun full day. So excited about it. I figured since we, you know, have been rolling this week, giving out the goods, we'll just uh, keep it going here. Um, it finally happened, by the way. Martin Perez finally. Um, a little bit of a rough outing for him. Miles Mikolas got shelled. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you caught that or not, but he, yeah. it, it makes perfect sense. We, I mean, we probably should have talked about it more. The dude throws so much like downward breaking stuff, um, junk that, it wasn't going to move as much in cores. Um, so he, he ended up getting shelled. We talked about Rich Hill getting shelled. He did not pitch well. And then um, Bieber, Carrasco, Bieber Wheeler. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff. I, I've got some good strikeout props today. I'm still waiting on Otani, but pretty much everything else I bet today is looking really good. So nice day of betting on Tuesday night. Well, let's, let's run it back and get another nice card going today. Question for you, This these teams coming into Colorado on the first, like St. Louis is failing again. They're in the six. They have they have three runs. Do you put any stock into this narrative that, that going into Colorado, the first game there, that offenses struggle? I'd, I'd like to take some time and eventually look into that a little bit because I hear it all the time, but I just don't know if there's any truth to it. But it, it does seem to happen, happen often. Me and Siege looked into it years ago. And, I mean, there's, there's obviously a trend um going into Colorado their first game and then their first game out of Colorado um but i mean there's so many variables to it that it's so hard to be like how much do i really want to put weight into this um is like yeah. that was our, our, our like final thought but right I mean, you'd have he, to consider pitching and the quality of the offense that we're talking about like yeah you're you're right there are a ton of variables that go into it for sure I mean, Siege talked about it a lot. Like it was something that, like, I'm, if I remember correctly, he he fully believed. I was on the fence. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, St. Louis was so cheap on this slate that I don't think it would have mattered. I think we were playing them either way. Yeah, and Colorado's bullpen is still really bad. Don't, they're not dead yet, but just a slow start for them. I mean, anything's possible here, so we'll see. Yeah how it all plays out but yeah you mentioned the rockies bullpen or one of the worst i mean like we talked about it what was it monday cincy colorado kansas city um san francisco these teams not great so but nine gamer and you you know you talked about your props i was telling you before the show like i built my core on prize picks around bieber and wheeler's strikeout props and they both got it by one so it was a good night for me i'm ready for this slate this one's fun couple potential weather spots that we'll let Roth kind of handle and see what he has to say, but just wanted to throw it out there. The Baltimore game with the Toronto Baltimore potential weather in that one. And then there's some potential weather in the Philadelphia game. Still going to break those games down. And if, if Roth tells us no go, then we listen because in Roth, we trust the dude is fantastic. So Toronto at Baltimore is actually where we get started. It's a nine total the Blue Jays are a 155 to 165 favorite, depending on the book. Barrios and Kramer. Any interest here in Jose Barrios at 7,300? Oh, man. If there's any any weather risk at all, I'll probably stay away here. 
Um, but this price tag at 7,300, like it's been a, a really inconsistent season for Barrios. And I've dug into his stuff on multiple occasions because he'll, he'll come out here and he'll struggle in really good spots. And then he'll, he'll come out here and he'll throw up 11 K's in, in what seems like tough matchups. He's been a really hard guy to figure out this year. The bottom line is he's, he's a talented pitcher that just, there's something off with him this season, but 7,300 Baltimore has been a much better offense. We've talked about it the last couple of days, um, but Barrios can win in tough matchups. And at 7,300, if the weather's clear, I'm going to take some shots here just because of the price tag. I mean, for what it's worth, um, just in general, yesterday we talked about so many pitching options. Um, this late, I mean, there's a few guys, but this slate is wide open when it comes to pitching. Um, there's a, a few different ways you could potentially go. Uh, some pitchers in tough matchups, but I mean, on this slate, I think Barrios is in play um, at 7,300 because he is someone that can go 25 plus in this matchup. I mean, he could also get shelled in this matchup as well. Um, I mean, no, no doubt about it either way, but we'll have to see what Roth has to say on the weather if he you know, is very playable or not. Dean Kramer on the other side of this game. Any interest in Kramer here against Toronto? No interest against this Toronto offense. Kramer's been decent this year. He's really cheap. Um, just just a really tough spot for him here against Toronto. Uh, so much power, the patience that they have. I just I don't see him going very deep into this game. I don't see him getting a ton of strikeouts. Um, I'll probably pass. Yeah, I think it's a pass for me. He's been semi-reverse splits. He's allowed almost 50% fly balls on 44% hard contact to righties, only a 12% K rate against righties. This lineup on a daily basis is six to eight righties. So you really have to be able to attack these right-handed hitters. Um, so I think this is a an easy stay-away spot for me on Kramer today. And I mean, I, I could see going back to the Blue Jays yet again on this slate if the weather is okay. Um, they had one good inning last night where they scored some runs. And, I, I mean, it's just, you know, they have the ceiling to win you a slate. You know, Bo Bichette had, what was it, a three-run homer or something. Like, they have the ceiling to win you a slate. It's just, <laughs> sometimes it's it's very tilting. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Toronto stack is definitely in play today. Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, it's an expensive one, but we've we've been able to find ways to fit expensive stuff in, especially on DraftKings with all the the cheap bats. Like, there's plenty of twenty five hundred bats or whatever that you can find to make this stuff work. Um, you talked about Kramer's reverse splits. He gives up a ton of fly balls. Obviously, moved the fences back in Baltimore a little bit, but. The the power hitters on Toronto, I'm not worried about that with them. Vlad is one of my favorite hitters on the slate. Chapman's been hot. Um, Bichette, just coming off a big game, really like him. Teoscar in play. Alejandro Kirk, definitely, as a catching option, mid-4Ks, really like him. It's the whole stack for me. I think there's there's a ton of upside here with with Kramer's fly balls and, and the power that they possess. On the Baltimore side... Cedric Mullins at 46 is is kind of cheap here. Um, I don't think I want to stack Baltimore, but Barrios is really bad against lefties. So if you want to go like a Mullins, Rutschman, Santander type of three-man at the top half of this order, I'm not going to talk you off of it. They're all under 4,500. Barrios is extreme reverse split or ex- extreme splits, like very – very struggle-ish against lefties, if that's even a word. Um, and then, I mean, he's better against righties. So I think if you want to go the top half here, I, I don't hate it. I don't think I go a full stack. And, I mean, Barrios is probably going to get some ownership, so it's definitely a way to kind of make your lineups a little different here. Yeah, I, I love the Mullins call, and I really like Adley Rutschman a lot too. Um, Rutschman has been on fire here over the past it's over a month at this point. And he's had a really wide split. He's struggled against lefties, but he's been amazing against righties. So I love this spot for Rutschman um, against a pitcher that has a light, a wide split as well. 4,300. Um, I'll, I'll play some Rutschman even as a one-off 
fills fills a catcher position, a lot of power there. Um, great plate plate skills. So I, I like Rutschman. I like your Mullins call as well. I'm I'm not stacking beyond that. Like Hayes is cheap, so maybe you could add him as a, a righty just because of the value there. He's he's a decent hitter at 3700. Um, but yeah, probably don't get to the full five man stack. Yeah, it's more of a mini stack, I think, for me. And lefties, I mean, that ballpark plays a lot harder for righties, but we're seeing, you know, lefties still have a little bit of upside in that ballpark. So I hate what they did to that ballpark. Anyway, Miami at Philadelphia, seven total in this game. Philadelphia's slight favorite here at 125. Alcantara against Noah Syndergaard. Sandy Alcantara, 10-3. This dude is... I mean, I don't know if we'd call him elite yet, but he's very good, right? Like, he's very good. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be in the elite conversation at this point. He, like, dude is just going so deep into games. He like, he did finally get a start under seven innings against the Mets two times ago, but before that, he had run off, like, two straight months of seven innings every single start. His last one, he, he finished it. He went to complete nine. We have a seven total in a in extreme hitters park here in Philadelphia, so that that tells you a lot just right there. Um, Alcantara is really solid. You don't think of him as a strikeout pitcher, which maybe he's not an elite DFS pitcher at this point, but real life he's definitely an elite pitcher. You're going to get length out of him. Um, Philly does have some strikeouts in the lineup. He does he gets a ton of ground balls, so the home run risk in this park is mitigated a little bit. He's expensive. We you've got to pay for him, um, and there are other studs on this slate. But I think he's he's certainly in play. I think he's a great play today. You know, obviously you got to worry about Schwarber. Not as worried about Hoskins. Um, you know, we we get Alcantara, who's a big time ground ball guy. Hoskins does tend to hit the ball on the ground more than up in the air. Um, I'm worried about Schwarber. You know, put everything you look at here. Schwarber, big ISO guy, big hard contact guy, big fly ball guy. So uh, I'm definitely worried about Schwarber. But, I mean, if he gives up a run or two and, and still strikes out like eight or nine, I'm okay with that on this slate. So if the weather holds off in this game, I have a ton of interest in Alcantara here. Um, like you said, man, he's in the conversation. He, he really is. DFS-wise, maybe not so much. But, I mean, when you're getting a guy going over 100 pitches – seven out of his last eight starts and consistently putting up good games. He's in that conversation for sure. The other side, we got Noah Syndergaard. Still weird, weird having Syndergaard in like a Phillies uniform. Um, hasn't pitched great his first couple outings. Um, there was ever a spot for him to get on track with his new team. It is getting the very low walk rate, high strikeout rate, low power, Miami Marlins. Yeah, I mean, I thought it, he was in a great spot his last time out against Washington. It didn't go great. Did, he only struck out two, only made it through five innings. So a little bit difficult. He got pulled at 79 pitches, which is a little bit concerning. He did give up 11 hits. So I think it was just that he was getting hit around. They knew he didn't have the stuff. I'm, just on that particular day, I don't foresee them being like limiting him to that 85 pitch range or something like he, he was up around 90 often with the angels. So I, I think he still has that leash. It's the matchup here. Um, decent price tag for this matchup too. I, I don't know that you can count on a ton of strikeouts from him. Just hasn't been the, the profile that he's shown this year, but the matchup does help with that today. Um, he, he also keeps the ball on the ground. So that, that mitigates his home run risk in this ballpark. I think it, at 7,900, I'm fine with it. Just a little bit worried about his leash and a little bit worried about his recent form here, but it's a great matchup for him. I'm on board. All right. So me and you were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about seeing a increase in sliders, a decrease in fastball, Syndergaard strikeouts going up. So he's had two, one start now with Philly, right? One start, that Philadelphia-Washington game. Um, I think he's only had one start. Yep, And correct. it's something to note. His velocity was the lowest of the season in that game, and he threw 55% fastballs. Um, he only threw 10% sliders that game. So 
I, I mean, I'm not too concerned about the 55% fastballs. I'm concerned about his velocity being the lowest of the season um, in that game. So was he jet lagged? Was I, I mean, there's so many question marks because where the trade kind of happened pushed him from like his normal five day to almost a whole 10 days um, in between starts. So he was supposed to start the day that he got traded. He got scratched. He got traded. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's so many factors into that Washington game where I'm like, I think I could go back to the well and try again here, you know, better, better. You know, he's had six days now he's with the, with the team. I, I mean, he's gotten a bullpen session or two now with this catcher. I, I, there's just so many factors, right? Um, was that start rushed? is I think the biggest question um, because it was his turn to go. And I mean, you can't let the dude go, you know, 15 days without starting. Um, so I'm willing to overlook the Washington start. We all thought it was a good spot, um, but I mean, this is a good spot. I think this is, is a spot. will it will tell us a little bit more um, on this situation with Syndergaard. So I'm hoping that we see the slider usage up a little bit more here. Um, because I mean, that's where he's going to generate his swing and misses bats in this game. Anything on the Miami side here for you? So this ballpark, I think you have to have a little bit of interest, but without Chisholm in there, this Miami offense is, and Soler and Garcia too, like they're just missing so many guys and they're not that, that great to begin with. There's, there's really no upside. Um, I don't generally target stolen bases in DFS. That's certainly an angle you can play with center guard. Like maybe Wendell leading off. If he gets a couple of hits and a stolen base can pay it off. But no, I, I don't love the stack. There's just like Blade is cheap. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find three here. It's, it's rough sledding. Um, Blade and, and Wendell are probably the only two I'm really interested in. Maybe Aguilar could hit you a home run in this park, but this Miami r- offense is rough. So I, I'm I'm with you on the Cindergard stuff. I think you made some great points there. Um, Miami just doesn't have it with the, the injuries they have right now. It's it's a really weak offense. Ton of ground balls, very little walks. Uh, I mean, there's just there's no reason to stack this offense. Even if Cindergard doesn't have a good outing, I mean, they might score like two or three runs and like not really have like a ceiling type of spot. The guys you want to like target here would be like the guys that have the stolen base upside um for Miami. So you know kind of look into that. Like this might be one of the only times this season that like I might mention playing like Miguel Rojas at shortstop at 3100 because I mean he could if he gets on base he could steal a base. I mean he's a low strikeout guy. So if he's able to somehow get on base, I mean, the stolen base upside is there for someone like that. So, you know, we, we see Grant talk about it all the time. And, like, this is one of those spots where you just kind of look at the the stolen base props and you try to take advantage of it. Uh, De La Cruz, the guy they, they called up here not too long ago um, from the minors, like, he is going to hit fourth at 2K. And if he gets on base, he'll run. So... Maybe the stolen base guys, but I'm not stacking Miami here. And I, I would be looking more out of it like a, you know, a prop thing than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree there. And a quick side note on that. I don't know if you saw what the Mets did against Justin Dunn, but they were running like crazy on Justin Dunn, who has had a lot of struggles holding runners in his career as well. So if we get a couple more starts out of Justin Dunn, same same thing as we're targeting with Syndergaard here. Bet those stolen base props against him. The Mets were stealing at, at will against him. All right, the Philly side. I don't want to sack Philly. I mean, the batting profile-wise, Schwarber looks awesome here. Um, but, I mean, Alcantara is a, a really good pitcher. So, it would be a one-off thing, and it would be just chasing a home run. Um, but... Honestly, I don't have a ton of interest in Philadelphia. I mean, they're not even that cheap. Yeah, I, I don't have any interest in Philly here. Um, even Schwarber, Schwarber's over 6K, so that even that one's tough. Um, I get it. If anybody's going to touch home, uh, Alcantara for a home run, it's probably Schwarber, but I'm, I'm definitely not stacking. All right, we got Atlanta at Boston. Kyle Wright going up against Nick Pavetta. Nine and a half total in this game. The Braves a 140 favorite. Kyle Wright not getting any Vegas love here. I mean, he's a favorite in Boston. Uh, don't get me wrong, but 
we're we're seeing a pretty high total here. Uh, we saw these two teams, you know, put some runs up last night. What are your thoughts here on Kyle Wright against the Red Sox? Kyle Wright has been a struggle of mine because I thought he was he was breaking out this year when like he had an, an awesome first two months of the season. He's been pretty inconsistent since then. The strikeouts have come down quite a bit. The price tag is just there's no way I'm playing him at 9900 in Fenway. Um, he does do a decent job of keeping the ball on the ground, so I'm not that concerned with home runs. But it, it's the price tag for me. Like I, I would much rather just spend up and, and get the Alcantras um, or Verlanders on the on this slate. Like he, he's priced near enough to them where I'm not targeting him in this ballpark. Boston is a pretty de- decent offense that doesn't strike out a ton, so. I'll, I'll pass at this price. They're going to, I mean, Hosmer being in the lineup, Devers in the lineup. I mean, there's enough lefties to get to Kyle Wright, too. Um, and it's not like the righties are any slouch of an offense. I mean, the the additions to this offense um, were not bad. I mean, like I said, I, I've said it multiple times now. They get Story back. They get Kiki Hernandez back. They're a completely different offense. Um yeah, I don't, I don't want to play Kyle Wright at 9900 Does he have upside? Sure. Uh, but I'm finding the extra four or $600 for Verlander Alcantara today. Yeah. Uh, and I'm definitely not playing Nick Pavetta. Um, uh, you know, this game, easy, easy fade spot for me as far as pitching. Pavetta, fly ball pitcher, gives up a ton of hard contact. His, his strikeout upside, I mean, his swing and strike rate is under 10% on the season. This Braves offense, you got to be able to attack them with strikeout guys. So this is an easy Nick Pavetta fade spot for me. Yeah, I agree with you. The Braves do strike out plenty. And I even though they're a, an extremely powerful offense, I generally don't mind playing pitchers against them. But this is a tough spot for Pavetta. Um, I like the Braves stack a lot. Let's talk about those Braves bats. I mean, everybody I think is in play here. Riley Olsen, Acuna. Um, Darno should still be out. Contreras is probably the more ceiling type of home run hitter anyway. Um, what are your thoughts just in general here on Atlanta? Yeah, I, I like the stack. Um, love the way that they like facing a fly ball pitcher in Fenway. That's, that's a great spot to be in. Austin Riley has been incredible this year. Um, Acuna's power has kind of disappeared a little bit, but there's still plenty of talent in there. He's going to find it eventually. The price tag on Acuna just keeps coming down. He's under 5K now. So, I, like, he's still got plenty of power and speed. I love him at that price. Olsen is a great option. Swanson has had an incredible year. We've seen him over 5K at times, too. He's down to 4,700. Like, the full stack is expensive because there's really no no value options outside of, like, Ozuna and, and Rosario, who have been been pretty bad this year. Um, but I like those mid 4k prices on, on some of the studs like Olsen, Acuna, Swanson. Like I'm, I'm totally on board with the stack. Yeah. I think the stack is very, very viable today. And that's where some way Syndergaard, um, or Barrios comes into play, um, just in general on this slate. So Boston bats here against Wrights. I mean, Wright's good. Where he struggles is like lefty power. So I definitely like Devers for sure. Outside of that, I don't know, man. Um, Boston, like Xander Bogarts is 51. So he's kind of pricey. Fam is 40, 47. But the rest of the, the team is actually very doable. Like Verdugo's 28. If Duran's in there, he's 3K. So. Well, I might not love these guys. I definitely don't mind the prices on these guys. Yeah, I, I love Devers, and then I would be looking for cheap value. Um, those two lefty outfielders you just mentioned, Duran and Verdugo, I like quite a bit. Um, what's where's Hosmer at? Why am I not seeing Hosmer here? Oh, he did get hurt. The he left the game a couple. Yeah, he of might days. not even play. Yeah, he's 3,500, so definitely would be sick. Like, Duran, if he leads off, I I absolutely love Duran. Verdugo's been hitting up there at the top of the order, too. So pair those two with Devers, and I I love that three-man. All right. We got Cleveland Guardians, Detroit Tigers. Eight total in this game. The Guardians, a 170 favorite. Aaron Savilli against Drew Hutchinson, 
I mean, it has been a common theme to pick on Detroit. Aaron Savilli had a sprained wrist, made one rehab start. Uh, I think it was four innings is what I read. Potentially pitch count on this start here. Is 80 pitches enough for Aaron Savilli against Detroit to be playable at 6,500, I think is the, the question. Oh man. It, yeah. It, it's right. He's right on the borderline. Like the matchup is so good. The price is outstanding. He's not a huge strikeout guy. And if he's limited as well, how much upside is there really? Um, I think I find the thousand bucks to get up to somebody like Barrios who has way more upside. Uh, just we we're going to target Detroit the rest of the season. Like their, their numbers are atrocious, especially against right-handed pitching. So I, I get him being in consideration, but I'm, I'm concerned about the upside because he's not a big strikeout pitcher anyway. And if you only get 80 pitches, it's, it's tough, but even if that's the case, he's still in play, I think. So, I mean, the best comp would be looking back in May, he put up 22 fantasy points against this team with 95 pitches in six and a third three strikeouts in that game. Um, I think the Detroit lineup might actually be worse now than it was then. I mean, the problem is there's just no downside to playing pitchers against this team because they don't walk. They have no power. They hit the ball on the ground a ton. So at 6,500, I mean, this is obviously not a FanDuel play. FanDuel, you're you're paying up, you're getting Alcantara, you're getting Verlander, and you're not thinking twice about it. But on DK, you know, we've talked about like Atlanta. They're a really good stack today. So do I need a cheap pitcher is, I mean, kind of the question. And I think that, I think he is playable depending on the weather of the Baltimore and Philadelphia game. Um, Because if we lose Syndergaard to some weather, and we lose Barrios. I mean, Sevilla's going to have to be in play today. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. If we lose those other two cheapies, because like we talked about it yesterday, there was so much pitching upside that we weren't sure if it would be the right lineup construction to pay down. When when we have Alcantara on the slate, who's really expensive and doesn't have massive strikeout upside, we've got Verlander, whose strikeouts have been down this season. There just there isn't as much upside in, with those top arms on this slate today, so I think it is a slate where I want to consider um, going cheap to fit in whatever bats I'm looking at. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to use cheap pitching on the slate, and if if those other two get rained out or a heavy risk of delay, then then I'd be more willing to place a volley for sure. I know I'm not playing Drew Hutchinson today. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I don't know if I'm stacking the Guardians, though. I think it's going to be an ownership thing. If they're popular, I definitely could see being underweight on them. If they fly under the radar, I could definitely see stacking them. Um, Hutchinson walks so many people that, like, the upside is certainly there. Um, you know, it's just, for some reason, I feel like the Guardians, like, they should be good. But it's like two or three guys usually. Um, I mean, the, the price on Naylor is fantastic. The price on Jimenez is really good, um, depending where he hits in the lineup. Quan's 4,400. So, I mean, like you're paying up for Jose Ramirez. You can always fade Ahmed Rosario in your stacks um, at, at 4,900. So, the rest of the stack is is very doable. Like, we should get... Gonzalez in there at 3,400. Nolan Jones has some pop at 3,100. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I want to see what ownership looks like because, I mean, if they're going to fly under the radar here, Drew Hutchinson is a great pitcher to stack against. Fly balls, hard contact, low strikeouts, high walks. Like this is the type of dude we look to stack against. Yeah, I, I like the Cleveland stack quite a bit. Um, Naylor at 4K is very intriguing. Love Love that one. Um, Jose Ramirez, obviously one of the best hitters in baseball. He's going to be in there. Like I hate playing Quan as a one-off. He just doesn't have power, but he is, he does get on base quite a bit. So I, I don't mind him in a stack like 4,400 is probably a little overpriced, but if this is the team going nuts, he's going to get there at 4,400 in front of all the guys doing the damage. Um, 
like like Ramirez and Naylor. So I don't mind playing him in the stack. I like the Nolan Jones call cheap at 3,100 with power. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, even if there's a, they're a little popular, I don't think they'll be that popular because we, we have cores on the slate. Um, Toronto's in a good spot. I think they're going to be down the list a little bit. I'm, I'm heavily interested here. Detroit, I have nothing, man. Um, the one guy I feel like you could play is maybe um, Riley Green. But even he, I don't know if it's just being in this atmosphere or what. <laughs> um, I mean, he's not living up to a lot of the hype surrounding him. Um, but he'd be the one guy I think you could play. Him or him or like Castro, I guess. But I, I'm not playing these guys. Yeah, I'm not either. Like Savali's not a guy I'm terribly afraid of, but... I just, there's no talent in this offense. Green at 3,900 is fine. Candelario is 3K. He's had a really rough year after showing some promise last year. So, yeah, just, there's nothing here. Texas at Houston, Glenn Otto, Justin Verlander, seven and a half total. The Astros are anywhere from 330 to 350 on most books here. Uh, huge favorites today. Glenn Otto. I'm not playing Glenn Otto. Low strikeout guy <laughs> against a team that doesn't strike out. There's going to be a lot of contact made here for Houston. We'll talk about them in just a minute. Yeah, definitely not playing Glenn Otto. Like the Houston side of this one. Uh, Justin Verlander in two starts this season is averaging over 30 fantasy points against this team. Justin Verlander is just really good at throwing baseballs past people, even this late into his career. I just I keep worrying that like he's just gonna fall off and he he just doesn't. Um, I mean this dude's a machine. He's it's gonna so, win another Cy Young. It, <laughs> like, it's what so is going cool, on? man. It, like <laughs> sitting over here, like waking up in the morning, how much I hurt. Like I am just so impressed <laughs> by Justin Verlander. Dude's fifteen and three. His ERA is under two. He has a 25.5 percent K rate. I, I mean, and he just continues to work ahead of hitters and. I mean, he's just that guy. Like, you're a little worried about, like, Seager and Garcia, but the rest of this lineup is not great. I mean, Verlander, him or Alcantara today, depending on that Philadelphia weather, they're the clear-cut top options on this slate. Yeah, I I think Verlander's going to be the one with the mo- more ownership. I love this matchup for him. Doesn't have the weather to deal with. And I think the the ballpark in Philly is going to scare some people off of Alcantara. So Verlander seems like the go-to cash option for me, especially if the weather's anything close to risky uh, in Philly. Love this spot for Verlander. Like you just mentioned, he's just a rock-solid ace. He, he performs every time out. 10-5 is, is a pricey tag for somebody that's got a 25% strikeout rate on the season. But Texas is not an offense I'm afraid of. I could – Easily, even though he hasn't done it as often as we're we've been accustomed to with him, he still has that ten strikeout ability in him. I could see him doing it here, um, but yeah, you're you're definitely getting your twenty five DK points or whatever out of him, even if he doesn't have that ceiling game. I got zero interest in the Texas bats here. Verlander is really good. Um, I mean, he'll give up a stray home run or two, but I mean, this isn't a typical like guy that gets blown up. He's allowed over five earned runs one time this season. It was a matchup in Seattle. Um, that was his worst game. So, I mean, he's consistent six or seven innings all year. Just, yeah. I mean, I'm not playing these guys against Verlander. Yeah. No interest in the stack for me either. Seager as a one-off. I can get on board with that in a, in a deep tournament. Just nobody likes picking on, on great pitchers, Seager could get him for a home run, but yeah, definitely no interest in the stack. It's also the the position, right? Shortstop yep. is just overall weak position, so always more amped to play like one of those like top end shortstops in a tough matchup because they just have so much ceiling than a lot of the guys at shortstop in general. Um, the Houston bats against Glenn Auto, Auto, like we said, high hard hit rate, high walk rate, low strikeout rate. This is a spot to, I mean, fire up the Houston Astros. Going to be a lot of hard contact made in this spot. Yeah, I love the Astros here. Alvarez, one of the top options on the slate. Um, Kyle Tucker is all the way down at 4,400. 
has slumped a little bit, but still a, a really talented hitter. Um, Altuve and Bregman over 5K certainly don't mind that um, with the upside they provide. Pena down at 4,100. Trey Mancini at 3,400 might be my favorite play on the entire slate. Like this dude is built for this park. There's a short short porch in left field. Um, like Otto, I looked into his splits a little bit too. He really struggled against lefties this year or last year, but he's been a little bit reverse splits this year. He's giving up more power to righties. So I love the spot for Mancini at 3,400, even if it wasn't this great of a spot. I'm still playing Mancini. Um, you're going to get a cheap outfielder in there as well, whether it's McCormick or Myers or Dubon. Somebody like that is going to crack the lineup which can help you get five of them in there. Like with Mancini and a cheap outfielder, you can you can fire up Alvarez, Altuve, Bregman if you want to. Tucker should be in the lineup too at 4,400. Yeah, um, he, he's way too cheap for this spot. Yeah, so, I mean, you go Mancini, Tucker, and then off to the races with the studs. Um, yep. And you could fade one of the studs to make your stack different. Um, I mean, I don't know who I'd fade off the top of my head. Bregman has had had a tough year. Like, I don't know what's going on, and we generally prefer him against lefties anyway. So, if I was picking, like, Al, there's no way I'm fading Alvarez. I think Altuve or Bregman or, or who, who you would be looking at. Um, Altuve gives you a few more outs with his speed, so I think Bregman would be the guy I'd cut out of those three. He's definitely third on that list for me. I think he's third for me as well. Um, don't mind the Gary L fade if he's in the lineup. He's someone I think you can you know, kind of stay away from in this spot. But I, I think it'll be Mancini. We'll see, though. Um, it'll be an interesting dynamic with this team moving down the stretch. But, I mean, I was reading the thing, like, Mancini would have hit double home runs than what he did if that fence didn't get moved in Baltimore. So it's not like Mancini's having a bad season. Um was just not benefiting. Yeah, I saw the same thing. And if he had played in Houston all year, it was the same, ty- same type of yeah. thing. He would have had, like, double the home runs. Shocking in that ballpark. I'm so yeah. shocked. <laughs> All right. We got the White Sox and the Royals. Nine total in this one. White Sox, a 140 favorite. Johnny Cueto against Chris Bubich. Um, Cueto's 9,100. <laughs> Seems a little pricey. Uh, I mean, Johnny Cueto is another one of those guys that, like, if he's pitching okay, you can kind of count on him to get 100 pitches. Um I right now I don't love it. If we get some rainouts in that Baltimore Philly game, I think he becomes more playable. But I mean, I don't love it. There's some strikeouts in this lineup: Melendez, Perez, um, Prado, Taylor. If Eaton's in there, he's a big strikeout guy. Dozier's a big strikeout guy. So there's plenty of strikeouts in this lineup. Um, but. I don't know, man. 9,100 for Cueto seems like a, a, a really tough ask. Yeah, that, that's a big price tag. He's not a guy that generally strikes a ton out anyway. Um, it is an interesting note on Kansas City, who has been a low strikeout team all year. I wrote this up. I think it was against Boston. It was Eovaldi I was writing up, I believe. But they traded away three of their lowest strikeout bats in Carlos Santana, uh, Benintendi, and Whit Merrifield. Like, this is not a low strikeout team anymore. But Cueto's 9,100, so I just I don't think I need to do that. <laughs> um, sure, he, he can go deep into the game and get you five or six strikeouts. I don't know. Just not enough upside for that price tag for me. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. The $9,100 price tag is the tough ask, but it said, depending on what Ross says on that Baltimore and those in that Philly game, because they're kind of in the same part of the United States. Um, it's really going to come down to that. Like what, what are we looking at with that is what it's going to come down to. But either way, I could tell you, I don't want to play uh, Chris Bubich on the other side of this game. Tim Anderson out now as well. I mean, this lineup just can't stay healthy. But they, they still are much better against left-handed pitching than they are against right-handed pitching, which isn't saying much this year, but it's saying something. So I think I have a little interest in, in Bubich. You're going to play and, that reverse splits card? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm looking at. <laughs> like the White Sox, you're absolutely right. The White Sox are way better against lefties. Um, but Bubich is not a typical lefty. He's an extreme reverse splits lefty. He has a much higher strikeout rate to right-handed batters. 
he gives up less power to right-handed batters and the White Sox are going to roll out a ton of right-handed batters. Booch has actually been pretty decent here recently. Um, he's gone over six innings in each of his last four starts. The strikeouts have been there, two, uh, six strikeouts in each of his last two starts. Like, he's pitching pretty well here. I don't think anybody's going to play him because they're going to think White Sox against a lefty. No chance I can play the lefty, but he's not a typical lefty. He's dirt cheap. I don't know, especially if if we lose the other, if we lose Barrios and we lose Syndergaard, I'm gonna have some Bubich. I mean, looking at looking at like his advanced stats, there are some negative like regression numbers against righties. Like, you know, some of his like X ISO and X Woba stuff suggests like his changeup really isn't as good as it's kind of been this year. Like his Woba is 320 and his X Woba is like 550 against righties with the changeup. So I don't know, man, on a small slate like this, I'm not going to talk you off of it. Looking at some of the strikeouts that potential here, like I think it's also going to depend on like what lineup we see um, for the White Sox today. Like, are we going to see those lefties in there? (laughs) Um, Because I mean, the lefties that are going to be in there are really bad against left-handed pitching. So even with the reverse splits, it wouldn't worry me, but I, I, I hear you. Um, I mean, he is, he is really reverse splits. Gets a lot of whiffs on the changeup, but just some of the advanced stats on that changeup scream regression, but the white Sox have screamed positive regression all year and just haven't done anything, anything. Let's talk white Sox bats um, on lineups that you're not playing Bubich because you're not going to be 100% Bubich here. Um, do you have any interest here in the White Sox bats? Yeah, I mean, certainly. He, like, Bubich is not a great pitcher, and we've seen him get blown up multiple times this year. Um, the White Sox definitely set up better against lefties. So even though even if I end up with some Bubich, I'll have some White Sox stacks. Um, he's struggled with con- control several times this year as well. So he is he is a pitcher I like to stack against. Um Elo Jimenez at 4,300 is the one that jumps off the page. Love Robert at 5K. Love Abreu at 4,900. Like, just you can go through all the power righties that they have and how good they should be. Um, we, we haven't seen it very often this year, but theoretically, this is a, a really talented lineup that sets up great against the lefty. So I, I will have some White Sox stack, even if I'm playing some Bubich. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think the stack is very playable. Um, my favorite bat from the, the the stack would probably be Jake Berger, man. Like this guy has destroyed left-handed pitching this season. He's been ice cold. I don't know. Uh, he's in AAA though, right? So that doesn't even matter. Like, didn't he get sent down? I think they did send him down. Yeah, when well, he was up when Mankato was out for sure. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but they... I think he got sent down. I'm pretty sure. Never mind. Yeah. So don't play him. Um, gosh, yeah. It says seven days ago he was activated from the IL and sent straight to AAA. So uh, I don't know what the corresponding move. Do we know what the corresponding move was for Anderson going on the IL? Is that when Robert came back? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he's been or. Well, yeah, they just put Anderson on the IL too. I'm surprised they didn't call him up. Maybe Mendick is on the IL also. Who is who is going to play shortstop for this team? Sosa. I think it's going to be Sosa. Yeah, probably. Gosh, this lineup might actually be Boomich <laughs> might actually be in play today. <laughs> um, Kansas City against Cueto. I'm never going to tell you not to play Wit because he is super talented and we're we're we got to see it this year. Like this is a very promising prospect that has shown that like he is talented. Melendez at 4500, I'm probably spending the extra $300 for Salvador Perez um if I'm playing one of those two catchers, but Kent City not a great offense anymore, man. I mean, Melendez, Wit, Perez and Vinny and then the rest of the lineup kind of drops off really fast. Yeah, those those are the four I'd have interest in. Um, Perez and Melendez, just because they play catcher, are, are going to be in play with their power pretty much any time, no matter their matchup. 
I like both of them. Wit and his talent plus speed and power combination always in play as well. Vinny just the, they won't raise the price on him. Um, he did hit a home run yesterday as well, so maybe he's finally heating up. Pretty good prospect, great power and patience combination, good plate skills. So going to keep playing some Vinny. Um, Prado is minimum price as well and has outfield eligibility. It is a really cheap stack. I'll, I'll say that um, even even the high-end guys like, like Witt are only 4,600. I have a little bit of interest here, I think. Uh, Cueto is a, a decent pitcher, but I like the pricing on the Kansas City side. Maybe, maybe you only play three of them just because the upside is a little bit limited. Um, but I, I think you can find some some pieces here. All right, St. Louis at Colorado, 11 total. Cardinals, a 160 favorite. We got Quintana against Freeland. We're going to put Quintana to the test here. Um, I mean, he's done a great job this year, you know, limiting home runs, being consistent, pitching well. Um, my... My initial reaction is like he throws like a fastball sinker. It's like a some classify as a fastball, some stats will classify as a sinker, but that's what he throws. It's like a sinking fastball, I guess would be the best way to describe it. How well is that gonna do in a ballpark like course? Uh, we we know like there's research that tells us that like downward pitches do not do as well in course. Um I think just staying away from him is the best approach. What are your thoughts on Quintana? Yeah, I'm definitely not playing him in the spot. Colorado's lineup sets up a, a lot better against lefties too. We just saw what they did. They're up to 16 runs now. Um, Smashing. Yeah. Um, not saying they're going to do that against Quintana, but I just like Crone and Rogers, like most of their lineup is better against left-handed pitching. I'm not, I'm not playing Quintana in the spot. I'm definitely not playing Freeland. Um, I mean, that's an easy fade for me. Do you have any yeah. interest in Freeland? No chance. St. Louis is – it will again be the the top offense on the slate. Hey, you never know. Bounce back spot here. Freeland, a lefty, a lot of power. Righties in this lineup. You got Goldschmidt, Arenado. They're going to be the chalk. The guy that is the most interesting today is Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is 2,000. <laughs> Everybody is going to play Goldschmidt at 6,200. But do you know what opens up if you put Albert Pujols <laughs> in the lineup today at 2K? Like, Pujols still has seven home runs. Pujols still can hit home runs. He can still hit lefties with the best of them. Obviously, a little concerned about, like, a, a pinch hit risk, but... Albert Pulos is 2K in course today. Um, Goldschmidt is the clear answer. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't want to like make it seem like, oh, I'm telling you to fade Goldschmidt. All I'm saying is we got a really, really cheap Albert Pulos today. Um, Paul DeYoung is way too cheap again today. If Molina is catching, he's 2,100 against the lefty. Uh, obviously, he would probably be like the chalk Catcher play on the slate. Um, Carlson's 4K. I mean, plenty of cheap bats here. You know, you, you want to get in Goldschmidt, Arnato, and O'Neal, and then kind of build from there. I'm just saying, like, really, really cheap price tag on Albert Pujols today if he cracks the lineup. And everybody is going to want to play Goldschmidt, which is the right answer. Don't get me wrong, but opens up the possibilities for sure. I love this call. Um, yeah, I mean, they, like St. Louis will be the most popular offense on the slate. They're like they're they have some awesome right-handed bats. I think that's a, a fantastic way to differentiate differentiate your stack. You get a minimum price bat in there, lets you do some different things with with your secondary stack or your one-offs. I I love that call. Um, it's, you can five-man stack St. Louis with Alcantara and Verlander with Molina and Pulhos. And oh, still have <laughs> a lot of salary left over. Like, I'm, yeah. Like, I have 3,900 for three spots left, getting a full St. Louis stack with Alcantara and Verlander. So, yeah. <laughs> if we get Pujols, Molina, and DeYoung in this lineup, like, they're going to be so popular. 
Um, I don't think pool host will be popular. I really don't. I I agree because Goldschmidt is like the top play on the slate. Um, By by far. Like, again, I'm not like trying to say that, uh, but yeah, by far. Yeah. I think it's an interesting dynamic though, is that you have two great plays because of pool price because of Goldschmidt's talent, two great plays at position. Like it helps you to be able to differentiate this stack in what is going to be the most popular stack. So it just, it makes it, I don't know. Uh, it just adds a different dynamic than just playing the the popular stack that everyone's going to play. Um, maybe it, maybe it makes, gives you a good case to go overweight on St. Louis because there are so many ways to build it. Such an interesting just build in general. The Rockies side of this game. I mean, the Rockies have been good against left-handed pitching all year. Quintana has done a great job of not um, giving up home runs. Crone, uh, Crone's obviously, you know, one of the top plays on the slate at 4,700. Good pivot off of um, Goldschmidt on the other side. Connor Joe should be back in the lineup today, 4,200. He's going to probably be a little popular here. But, yeah, I mean... I don't want to play lefties against Quintana, even in course, but the fly, the, the righties are definitely in play here for me. Yeah. Crone is the one that, that jumps off the page, shares a position with Goldsmith. Another interesting, like first base is going to be loaded on this slate. Obviously Matt Olson in a great spot. Um, we got Freeman later on. So yeah, just first base is going to be loaded. Um, Grichik just had a huge game. He's only 4,100. Love the counter Joe call at 4,200. Um, Brandon Rogers has been really good against lefties pricey at 4,800, but certainly don't mind that here in course. Um, plenty of interest in Colorado too. All right. Pittsburgh at Arizona. We got Keller and Bumgarner facing off in this one, eight total diamondbacks, a one seventy-five favorite. Any interest here in Mitch Keller? No, no interest in Keller. Um, just, this Arizona team is pesky. Like they, they don't strike out a ton. They walk quite a bit. Uh, Keller has had his struggles. Like there's, there are other cheap options. I think I would rather play Bubich than Keller. Too many lefties. I, I think that's a problem. Like when he struggles to, you know, miss bats, it's usually lefties and Rojas, Thomas, Marte, Varsho, McCarthy, Beer, Perdomo. He, he might only see two righties here. So. Uh, I'm out on on Keller, and I have not decided what <laughs> I want to do with Madison Bumgarner today. And this is one of those things where I don't think Bumgarner is a great play, but I also don't think Pittsburgh is a good offense. I think it's really going to come down to ownership and the weather in those first two games. Again, I mean, the weather in those two games are really going to impact the slate. Yeah, definitely. This is the same a couple days ago, maybe even yesterday, Chris Archer against Detroit. It's like the same thing. Like we it's we don't have interest in Baumgartner here because we think he's good. It's because he's $6,900 and one of the best matchups you can get for a left-handed pitcher. Like Pittsburgh has struggled against lefties. They've struggled against everybody, but particularly lefties. It just adds additional upside to Baumgartner. And when he's this cheap, you can basically throw out the season long numbers because he's, he's facing an inferior opponent. I I could absolutely see six innings of shutout baseball with seven or eight K's. And at 6,900, that's pretty attractive. My only concern is we see the same kind of outing we saw from Henry. Like right now he's through six. He's allowed one earned run on four hits, but he has two walks, two strikeouts. He really hasn't done much. And I feel like, that is the same type of upside or team, same type of game that we see at a Bumgarner here. And even on the small slate, like 12 points from Bumgarner is not enough. Um, I don't know. I'm on the fence, man. I'm really on the fence. Because like here, you know, looking at like the Pittsburgh bats, like who do we get excited to play against Bumgarner? Like Hayes, sure. He's been awful this year, but I mean, this would be the guy that I'd be excited to play against Bumgarner. Yeah, he's really the only one. I mean, Reynolds would be the other one I'd throw out there, but I'm not playing O'Neill Cruz lefty lefty over 4K. Kevin Newman has no power. 
Ben Gamble's lefty lefty. They hit him Jason. fourth against Henry too today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's because he's one of their better hitters. As sad as that is to say, that's that's the truth. Um, yeah, I mean, Delay is a cheap catcher, but he's not good. There's yeah another another one of these offenses. There's there's just no talent here. It's Reynolds and Hayes are the only two I even have remote interest in. I mean, Chavez has some power, but are you really playing him at first base? I know he's minimum salary, but am I really going to play Chavez over Pulhos? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, I like I like the spot for Hayes, and I could definitely get behind playing Reynolds, too, as like a two-man. Newman, like you said, I mean, the dude hits the ball on the ground a ton, and that's been the problem this year with like Reynolds and Hayes they just uh, rate Reynolds has a 57% ground ball rate and Hayes at 51% it's just that's the biggest issue here that's why like it's kind of like do I play Bumgarner do I not really going to depend on like ownership and the weather in those first two games um what are your thoughts here on the Arizona bats um I don't mind some of these lefties Alec Thomas is a guy we've talked about. I just, I like his talent. Um, 3,700 usually hits in the two hole, kind of like that one. Christian Walker, I don't mind playing for his power, especially when he's cheap, 3,800. Um, Varsho at 4,300 would be fine. Like I, I want lefties first. Um, so Varsho and Thomas would probably be the two. I'll play some Walker because of his power. Um, I don't, I don't see a five man stack here just because it falls off pretty quickly the talent level after those guys. Um, I don't really want to play Marte for 5K on the slate. I, c- I could see the cheap three-man, though, like a, a Thomas McCarthy, Walker, or Varsho. Like, I, I could get on board with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, just overall, like, I think the under in this game is very playable, even at eight. Um, I, I just see a low-scoring game. Keller is not... He's not typically a guy you want to stack against because, I mean, his walk rate is not the best, but he doesn't typically walk like four or five guys in the start. He's not a guy that typically gives up a lot of home runs. And, I mean, about a, a bad outing for him is like three to four runs usually. Um, struggled in a couple starts earlier this year, but, I mean, he's been really consistent. Like, he's thrown six or more innings in six straight games and has only allowed over three earned runs twice in those six games. So as much as I don't want to play Keller, I really don't love stacking against him, man. But Alec Thomas, he's cheap. You could definitely take him. You could play Varsho. But I'm I'm not as high on Arizona today as I have been. Um, I mean, pretty much this season, I this is a team I've been playing quite a bit. Really miss Peralta in this lineup. Uh, we got Minnesota at LA taking on the Dodgers. Oh, sorry. Um, we got Sonny Gray. So no, no total in this game and it's throwing me off. I hate when there's no, no total. Um, is it Peapot? Piot? Piot? Um, Pepio, I think. Pepio. All right. We'll go with it. Um, what are your thoughts here on Sonny Gray? Just 8,700 is too much to ask against the Dodgers. Um, he's struggled here recently as well. So just mm, he's been better his last couple, I guess, but just a, a bit of a struggle overall this season, 8,700 against one of the best offenses. I, I don't think that I need to do that on this slate. Um, just have a hard time see, seeing a ceiling game for, for Sonny Gray here. Yeah, listen, anytime you get the Dodgers, it's really tough to it's tough to play them um, just in general. Sonny Gray is not a bad pitcher by any means. It's just yeah, it's tough, man. Pepiot on the other side. I think that Ryan Pepiot, Pepiot, I think that I'm going to go with Pepiot. He's 10-3. The price tag, just I, I mean, I get it. Okay, I get it. Uh, just I don't know, man. The the price tag bothers me more than anything else. 
I get that like he's a is a big prospect. I get that he has like a really good changeup from everything that I've read. Shown really good strikeout stuff in the minors at thirty one percent this season. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with this price tag because I I could see him just crushing in this spot. But I also I mean, what's his leash? We really haven't seen over eighty five pitches. He, he threw eighty seven in that Arizona game. They let they gave him one more batter. He hasn't really shown the ability to get into like the sixth and seventh inning. We need guys at this price range to, you know, get that six, get that seventh type of inning. I just in a in a perfect world, I don't see him outscoring Verlander and Alcantara. Yeah, I hate that he's priced up here because this would be an awesome tournament play. Like Minnesota's not a bad offense. They they have some power. There's some risk here, certainly, but Pepio has been a huge strikeout guy in the minors. He's shown strikeout ability in four starts in the majors. Um, he was over 30% Ks in AAA, over 26% through four starts in the majors. So, like, he's a guy that has really good stuff. If he was 9K even, I would have interest, even in a, a difficult matchup against Minnesota. But at 10-3, he's priced right next to Verlander and Alcantara. You touched on the, the pitch count. I think the cap is 85, maybe 90 if we're lucky. But we know Alcantara and Verlander are going to be out there for 105, 110. Like, I, I can't pay the same price for him as I as if I could just play Verlander or Alcantara instead. So, unfortunately, takes him out of play. He's a fun prospect, a guy with big-time stuff. I would love to play him in tournaments because I think there is upside here. But at this price tag, it's the, it just eliminates his upside. Any interest here in the Minnesota Bats? I mean, going against a young young starter, I think they're in play. Um, you can play Buxton in any matchup. Um, Pepio, I will mention, has also had big-time control struggles uh, all the way through the minors as well. So I, there's going to be some traffic on the bases. It's whether he gets the strikeouts when he needs them or whether the, the balls find, find the grass and he gives up a bunch of hits. Um, so I do think Minnesota is in play despite really liking Pepio as a, as a prospect, um, Kepler at 4,100 looks like a great play. You mentioned his changeup. So I'm guessing he might be a little bit reverse splits. I didn't look at his minor splits, um, before jumping on today, but just, just something to keep in mind. I, I don't definitely want to look at that before I decide who I like the best on Minnesota. Um, but Correa, Kepler, Polanco, all priced very affordably, really like them. Um, don't mind a rise in a stack. Not, not a guy I want to play on his own, but fine, fine in this Minnesota stack. I think Pepio is a really talented pitcher, but because of his control issues, I, I've got some interest in stacking here too. It's a stack or fade spot for me on Minnesota. I don't, I don't see myself using one offs. Um, I like the price tag. I, even like a mini stack. I don't even know if you have to fully stack them. I could see a mini stack with like a Buxton, Correa, Kepler type build. You know, Polanco's in play. And then on the Dodgers side, I mean, they're so expensive. Sonny Gray just doesn't typically give up a ton of home runs or get blown up. Um, I mean, he he's had games this year where he's given up five or six runs, but he's yet to have a game that he's given up more than one home run in the game. Um the Dodgers can do it to anybody. I don't know. Uh, these prices are, are tough to swallow on this slate. Yeah, I, this Sonny Gray being a solid overall pitcher does make the, the Dodgers pricing tough. But on the flip side of that, this is an offense that can beat any starter. If they hit Gray around a little bit and, and raise his pitch count, you get into the early part of any bullpen. That's a good situation. So... I don't know. I, I like cheap pitching on this slate, honestly. Like, I'm going to play probably Verlander or Contra in almost any lineup. But SP2, I'm fine going down into the, the 5 and 6K range on this slate. So I'm going to be able to spend a little bit. Um, and if, if I'm not playing Coors, I'll, I'll have a couple Dodgers stacks. Not something I love, but always in play. All right, let's play the morning grind game, and then we will get out of here under 8K to get six or more strikeouts. Who do you got today? Um, give me Barrios, hoping hoping the weather holds, but seventy three hundred is is just too too cheap for him. I'm gonna go Aaron Savilli against Detroit because it's Detroit, and they strike out a ton. So, hashtag analysis. 
over 8K to score under 15. Who is your bust today? Give me Sonny Gray. Just tough matchup for him against the Dodgers. Good pitcher, but tough spot. Yeah, it's a tough spot for sure. I'm going to go Kyle Wright against the Red Sox. He's He's been boomer bust here um, to finish the season. Like you said, he started the season just – this is a guy we played almost every single day. Um, looked fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, he's been struggling a little bit here recently. So go ahead him. It's my least favorite in that range. So over 4K to go yard. Who do you got outside of cores to hit home run today? Give me Vladdy Guerrero. Um, love targeting those fly balls of Kramer. I'm going to go Jordan Alvarez. Really like Houston today. Uh, great spot against Otto. Jordan Alvarez, one of the top non-quarters hitters on the slate today. Uh, under 4K to get two hits. Who's a cheapie that you like today? Absolutely agree with your your Houston call there. Love Alvarez as well. I'm sticking with Houston for my next two. Give me Mancini at 3,400. Um, love this spot for him. I like that. This guy's had a rough year. He really has. But give me Cabrian Hayes at 3,500 against Madison Bumgarner. This spot is is really good for him. He's shown a little bit of um, contact skills here recently. Gosh, this guy. We really thought he was going to be something. So I, I like the talent. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I like the talent. Give me a stack to score six more runs today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Houston here. Um, I just like the way they set up against Otto, a young guy who hasn't gone terribly deep into games. Texas bullpen isn't isn't great either. So love this Houston offense today. I'm going to go with Toronto against Kramer and hope it works out. Um, they're kind of cold right now, so we'll we'll see how it works out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like this spot for Toronto today. Uh, Keith, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nope. Don't have anything else. Should be another fun one. Yes, sir. Um, hope we can keep it rolling here. We've had some good podcasts this week, so... Hope everyone enjoyed. We'll be back tomorrow talking more baseball. Good luck. We'll see you then.